Welcome to the Food Lens Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Smart, New England food writer and founder of The Not Just Company. And I'm your host, Molly Ford, co-founder of The Food Lens, your online resource for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston. On each episode of our podcast, we chat with restaurant industry insiders, digging into business, passion projects, and food trends to see what's shaping the New England restaurant scene. Today, we're catching up with L. Simone Scott, food stylist and on-air talent at America's Test Kitchen. Hey guys, before we get started with our interview, I want to tell you about Image Unlimited Communications, a PR agency that cares about restaurants just as much as we do. This Boston-based firm has a unique and effective personalized approach, and they've got the local and national media clips to prove it. With a sharp focus on lifestyle, restaurants, and consumer goods, the agency has the contacts and the hustle to get you the placements that really move the needle for your brand. Whether you're looking for help with public relations, event planning, digital marketing, or social media, Image Unlimited Communications is here to help. Check them out at www.iucboston.com. That's iucboston.com. Hey, Molly. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk to another female badass today. Me too. Elle is awesome. I'm super excited to talk to her. I've met her once or twice, and we have kind of similar careers. Uh, She does food styling and TV at ATK, and obviously I do TV and a little bit of food styling at Milk Street. So I want to hear her story and what the experience has been like for her. I also can't wait to hear about She Chef and sort of how she built that. Yeah, you guys are kind of career twins in in a few ways. (laughs) Well, she's she's a few steps above me, I'd say, but uh, (laughs) I'm I'm super excited to hear about, about her experience. Yeah, I met her at America's Test Kitchen only about three months ago, and she just had this great energy about her. She was so warm and welcoming and gave me a big hug right in the kitchen. I was just going to say she's a hugger. Like I just and I want to hug her as soon as I as soon as I And see I her. love that. I'm from California, so I'm also a hugger. And so I really appreciated it and I can't wait to to ask her about her work life, you know, um, and ask about what advice she might give, you know, other women trying to follow that same career path. Absolutely. We're really excited to have you here today, Elle. I met you recently at America's Test Kitchen. Yeah. I was a little starstruck. I barely recognized you because I was so caught up in the moment. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Same thing. But, I mean, you've had, you know, a winding road in the food world and you're, you know, you've been involved in the food media world on so many levels. Can you tell us about, you know, your path to your current job as a food stylist and on-air talent? Sure. Um, It... It was a very windy path. Um, I was a social worker, which most people know. I did that for several years. Um, I kind of got into cooking. I was moonlighting. I was working at restaurants, front of the house, back of the house, wherever they would have me. And um, the agency I worked for lost their funding. I decided at that time I wanted to make a major move, and I took a job working on a cruise ship, cooking like a level one cook job. So that was really my first culinary school. Um, and I had a lot of uh, black male chefs who mentored me and, and respected me and treated me very well, taught me a lot of things. And I applied for an, a scholarship through Women's Chefs and Restaurateurs, which almost 15 years later I'm now on the board of, um, which is a really great uh, uh, you know, 
turnaround moment. And I got the scholarship and I went to New York to go to culinary school. Um, I did not go to the school I got the scholarship for. It was a little too expensive. Um, But I went to an amazing trade program that really invested in their students. And I ended up interning at the Food Network. I, I had every intention on going back to restaurants. I didn't even know really what culinary media was. So when I got there, my mind was blown. I fell in love and I've never looked back. What year was this, Al, that you were at Food Network and Um, discovered that? 2009 to 2010. I started in October 2009, and I had a three-month internship working. uh, You do the test kitchen with the magazine, and then you transition over to production where you start to um, support the TV shows. Yeah, and then I ended up freelancing. They hired me as a freelancer, and, um, you know, I I got my spin there, and I loved it. And a friend uh, was, who was also um, a, a new freelancer was apprenticing with a food stylist, out, uh, an independent food stylist. And he was going on vacation and he needed someone to fill in for him. And he was like, well, you think you'd want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. It's, that's kind of my claim to fame. I say yes to everything within reason. Like as long as it's not going to put me in jail or break, <laughs> take all my money, I do it. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And um, I ended up apprenticing with uh, a food stylist named Liza Journal. She's one of like one of the best in New York City. She's part of the Martha Stewart brand. So there's that. Damn. Yeah. Um, and street cred. It's <laughs> real street cred, right? Yeah. Um, the funny thing is she didn't teach me anything. <laughs> Liza, I love you, but you know it's true. She didn't teach me anything. She kept me behind the curtain. It was like the Wizard of Oz, right? Yep. And um, but what I did learn from her was how to cook food for food styling. She would tell me to do something a very specific way. She would never tell me why she would, you know, like we're doing chicken noodle soup. But she wants me to like brown each the peas, the carrots, the onions, everything separately. And I didn't get it. But it would later, you know, absolutely make sense. So she taught me something, but she just taught me what she needed me to know. I apprenticed with a couple of other food stylists who kind of like brought all the pieces together. One in particular gave me a lot of autonomy and let me do a lot of things on his sets, uh, which led to me getting some smaller freelance gigs. And then that's how my career grew. Just like apprenticing, you know, taking whatever jobs anyone would give me, um, making like $300 a day. Like I can't even imagine that now. It's insane to say, but it it got me here and um, I'm super grateful. I'm actually totally a yes girl too yeah and it can be really scary at times yes. I remember my first tv job I agreed to do some on-site production scary thing I was just out of college and I called my mom crying because I was so <laughs> nervous and I was like why did I agree to this this is so scary it's live television um but I was so happy I did it it was yeah. the best learning experience and I really feel like that's how you can advance even faster than other routes very true I mean and I think once you're kind of in an industry like you you kind of get a feel for all the parts. Like if you're a production assistant, you're doing all the jobs, whether they tell you that or not, right? Uh, and I did a lot of that. I did a lot of um, production assisting on culinary shoots. Um, I kind of did the same thing you did. I totally said yes to a culinary producer job and had never actually done it. Uh, I've definitely been like a culinary PA at that point for three years. And I'm like, I've seen it. I know how to budget. You know, I, I've I've helped 22 youth uh, transition into real life. Pretty sure I can do this TV show. Right. <laughs> Uh, and it was the best thing I did. I like go. To, I went to YouTube University a little bit. I called some, you know, media friends that I knew and got some insight. But I believe in saying yes. I yeah. mean, I'm all about that. You have to. It's so funny that you say that. I 
was actually talking to Sarah Moulton, who like Food Network, I mean, mm-hmm. classic, OG, so great. And she was saying that she got her first food styling job. She did the same thing, just like raised her hand and was like, I guess I'm a food stylist now. <laughs> just like that. Wow. Just and like I that. have had a similar <laughs> a similar experience. So you kind of just, you just have to do it and jump in. Yeah, I mean, what is what is life um, without taking risk on yourself? You know, like it, it's kind of fun that, that moment where you're like so nervous because you know you just kind of messed, you know, you're just like, you kind of, I don't know what I did, you know, but that moment, that adrenaline rush, that moment where you believe in yourself so much, those are those things, those moments should be like the foundation of your career. It leads you to saying yes more times and getting things you never thought you'd get. I never thought I'd be on TV. I don't even watch TV. <laughs> I don't. Do like, you watch yourself? No, I don't ever watch myself. No way. No yeah. way. And people are always like, well, what time does it come on? I'm like, uh, your guess is as good as mine. Saturday afternoon. Like, <laughs> let me call my mom. I don't know. You know. I yeah. feel like sometimes in the beginning it can be good. Like when I first started doing radio or TV, to, if you can be unbiased and kind of be like, oh, well, I talk too fast there, or I do this. But at, at a certain point, it's like you can't just just sit and watch yourself. And I'm I'm wondering as you're talking about, you never thought you'd be on TV, and you did, you know, YouTube University. You know, how what was that path like, and and how do you prepare for it? Uh, well, I really did not have any chance to prepare for it. I, I I answered a casting call that a friend tagged me in on Facebook. Um, I This is just the funny qu- – I'm going to give you the short version of how life can be a crazy path. I had a friend who was leaving her PR agency, and she was going to start her own, and she needed clients. And I was freelancing in New York. I never have any money. I was always broke. Um, and I was like, I'm going to invest a couple of hundred dollars if you make me a press kit. And so she made it. And so when my friend tagged me on Facebook on this casting call, I sent that press kit. They called me back. Like, we're going to do, we can't tell you what's going on, who it's for, but we want to do a couple of, you know, Skype videos. And so she coached me. We did a few. And, um... That kind of was a process even of itself, like so much so that the, when she called me for one more video, I remember telling my mom, like, I don't even want this job. Like, what is she calling me for? <laughs> you know, being bratty because I'm a little bratty. I'm, a, I'm the only child. So, you know, um, sue me. And so um, we we did the final final thing. She's like, the producers love you. Now, at this point, I'm a pretty seasoned culinary producer. So I'm like, producers love you is uh it's second language for they want you to do one more thing right (laughs) so I was like oh okay so I did it and um I got a call and an email from the producer at America's Test Kitchen and she's like we would love for you to come and do we she she was like do you want to Skype and I I remember thinking I don't want to do another Skype interview and then it was almost as if she was reading my mind while writing this email and she was like don't worry it's not another it's not another video it's just going to be a conversation so I was like cool and uh, she was like, yeah, do you even know what you auditioned for? And I was like, no, I have no clue. She's like, uh, have you ever heard of America's Test Kitchen? And I literally said, can I say expletives on the on Sure. The I literally said to her, no shit. My future <laughs> boss, I say, no shit. And her response was, yeah, shit. Right? That's incredible. Uh, shout out to Mary Mullaney for That's giving me so a job. Good. It was really great. So I come to Boston. I do the screen test. Um, you know, it, I think it goes well. I, I meet the staff, stay a couple of days. I go back. She says, maybe we'll talk in a week. Hopefully we'll let you know one way or another. Um, that was on a Thursday. On Monday, stepping off the train, get a phone call from my homeboy. And he's like, hey, he's from Mississippi. Hey, girl, how was Boston? And I was like, it was good. And I'm starting to tell him. And then my phone beeps. And I'm like, yo, this is Boston. I have to call you back. 
And I step off to the sidewalk at at Halsey Station and Broadway, and it's Mary Mulaney offering me the job. Wow. The interesting part is that I was actually just putting my feelers out and and had applied for a doctoral program at Howard University. The morning when I left the house, I checked the mail. They sent me a letter of rejection. By the evening I got home, I had a whole nother career. That's wild. Wild. What a trip. Yeah. It was a trippy day. Because when I read the letter, the letter was like, we know that this might come as a disappointment to you. And I remember thinking, eh, not really. <laughs> not so much. Which is your first clue. <laughs> that like it was not the right. That it was not the thing. And normally, I'm one of those people. Like if I send my academia workout and it's rejected, I'm like, <laughs> am I not smart? You know? And I had like great references. Even my references were like, what do you mean you didn't get in? You know? Yeah. But it was just fate. You know, I didn't yeah. take it personal. It just wasn't my my lot. Long story short, I get... I get the call that I got the job. They're basically like, we need you to commute for two weeks because we're going to start filming in a month. So we need you here for rehearsals and script meetings. And then after that, you have two weeks to move your whole entire life that you weren't expecting to move two weeks ago to Boston. I had never even said the word Boston unless it was preceded (laughs) by the word Celtics. I was like, wait, wait. Wait, wait, you know, so it was it it literally happened like that. But the universe knew I love Brooklyn. It's my second home. It's my first home away from home. Brooklyn raised me. It taught me how to be a woman um, like a boss woman in these streets. Right. And leaving there was just not on my radar. I would have said no if I had had any time to think about it. But the universe was like, this is the plan. Just pack your bags. Let's go, girl. Shut up. Let's go. That was it. Can you remind me what year this was? This was 2016. I moved to okay. Boston April 29, 2016. I started filming May 2nd, 2016. Wow. Yeah. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. So you moved to Boston mm-hmm. in 2016. Yes. On a really exciting note. Yes. You don't have much time to be sad about leaving Brooklyn. No. Um, and you started America's Test Kitchen as on-air talent and mm-hmm. a food stylist? Yes. Okay, I'm really curious about this food styling world. Um, I've heard this term before, obviously, uh, through working at the Food Lens. But before this, I wasn't familiar with what a food Mm -hmm. stylist does. Can you elaborate on it and kind of tell us like like a day in the life of a food stylist? Walk us through kind of what you do. Uh, I mean, I can try, but I'm going to be very honest and let you know that food stylist jobs are contingent upon their client and workplace. Um, For instance, the Food Network, everyone who works at the Food Network are called food stylists. Um, Do we all do like actual making food look beautiful moves? No. You know, um, so it just depends. But I I think more than not, a food stylist job is to capture the essence of the food for their client. Like our job is to um, enhance food appeals. We're like uh, demi cup bras, right? (laughs) We're here to enhance the thing, the situation, you know, and, um, you know, it's it's an art, you know, and I never consider myself an artist. But what I do have um, is a keen eye for food. Like I can look at something and tell you what people will find appealing about that food. And it's my job to make it look appealing until we get the shot. You know, and that does require some tools, lots of tweezing, lots of Q-tips, um, I just recently scored from a store in Michigan called Myers this bag of like v- a variety of sizes of Q-tips and not for your ears. I mean, they're like <laughs> it's like the size of a I don't know like a a little fig. The top on the Q- 
Damn. They're amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I got to order more of these. Wait, what do you use it for? I want to hear all about your kit and like what okay, you're so. <laughs> so all food stylists, except me because I'm like the most hack food stylist <laughs> in the world, have a kit. I'm low-key hack. My, my kit is like, I use a, ver- a variety of sizes of paintbrushes. Mm-hmm. The small ones are for like um, maybe moving sauces to where I want them to go. The larger ones are for brushing crumbs. Um, I use Q-tips and a variety of sizes of Q-tips for cleaning um, spots. Um, if I if I've made that sauce go too far with my paintbrush, <laughs> then I use my Q-tip to push it back. Um, tweezers of all sizes, just to be able to maneuver things without using my, you know, your heavy hands that can break pasta or you know break something. I use it to move very small things, place very small things. Um, yeah, I mean a torch. I keep a torch because sometimes you need something a little darker. Um, t- uh, what else? I mean, and I also use just like some of the regular kitchen tools, tongs, you know, whisk, all these sorts of things. Um, I keep skewers, wooden and metal, because metal skewers can actually create grill marks. Oh, yeah. If oh, you- yeah. If you get them really hot with like mm-hmm. a torch and then put yeah. it on the top. Especially on like fish, you know, like salmon, yeah. softer proteins. It's really great for that. Burgers, you know, if the meat is super, um, it has a pretty high fat content, you can do it on burgers also. Uh, yeah, so, it, you know, just the job is to sell the story of the food, whatever that is for the client. And so it's not always beautiful food. Sometimes the story is bad food, you know. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. Sometimes it's bad food, and you and you have to sell whatever the message is. And I think at the end of the day, whatever you have to do as a food stylist to to sell that story, you just do it. You know, um, we don't do that so much at America's Test Kitchen. Like we, we definitely just use real ingredients. We have a wonderful photo team that cooks every recipe that we shoot at least three times so that we have a, a, enough to work with. Um, and we have a huge awareness of food waste, you know, like as you, you may know, you know, because you've been there. We have a take home fridge. Where all the food that is edible and safe goes into and it's empty every day. You know, nothing goes to waste. And it's important to me as a food stylist. Like, I don't want to do anything to this food that makes it, um, you know, inedible. Uh, Unless I absolutely have to. And even then, I only have to do it to one. I don't have to do it to all, you know. So that's kind of like the day. We start at 830 in the morning. We usually shoot them till about 330. Our shot list usually has about eight um, dishes at a time. Um, and, you know, we try to do beautiful food for every, every single thing. I, I am exclusively styling for Cook's Country magazine right now. And I exclusively style for Cook's Country television show. Yeah. So that's like your, it's funny cause it's just like fashion, right? There's so many different styles and you can bring your own skill set and your own personality, but it has to match yeah. the client. So that can be really fun, right? Because... You know, you can do like an editorial job one day mm-hmm. and then you could be doing like a commercial job. But it sounds like Cook's Country is like an amazing fit for you. And you also do the voice for Cook's Country, yes, right? Yes, yes. Can you talk about the voiceover work a little bit? Today on Cook's Country. <laughs> um, yeah, I it's new to me. I You know, they were just, you know, the production team was like, would you want to do some voiceovers for Cook's Country? And I'm like. Yeah, you know, because I say yeah to everything, right? (laughs) Um, And it just, I'm I'm always thinking about what's going to build my repertoire. You know, I got to retire one day. You know, what can I do to make money and not use my body when my body doesn't want to be used? Um, But I enjoy doing that voiceover work. It's it's really interesting. Um, It's even more so interesting when I get into an Uber and I'm talking and the Uber driver is like looking at me in the rearview mirror and like, 
you sound familiar. <laughs> wow. It's cool. It's like, kind of a fun moment, It right? is a fun moment. Because, yeah. you know, people who watch Cook's Country don't necessarily watch America's Test Kitchen. They are two different audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, so to be recognized for voice and face is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I like it a lot. And you're right. No two food stylists are the same. So, like, the same two people could do two totally different things for the exact same vision. You know, we had Katrine Kelty, who is an amazing Boston-based food stylist. Um, She was doing Cook's Country for many years. Now she just, I think she just does everything but Cook's Country. It's, it, she was good at it because she's just good at everything, but it wasn't her style. You know, she's right. like, I feel she, she's like, maybe she said, and I'm guessing, and Katrine, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but she's probably like, Cook's Illustrated is kind of more, you know, like Katrine is pristine, honey. I mean, you know, she, she, she lays it down. And, uh, you know, I'm also like, I'm like, I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> Give me a casserole. I got you. Yeah, you know, so it was just kind of a good fit. Steve Kleiss and I actually have really, he's a photographer there. Um, We have a great chemistry. We shot 95% of the um, How to Cocktail book together. That's awesome. I love that book. Yeah. The photos are beautiful. You got involved, Molly, right? With the video. That's why I was at ATK recently. Like, we know a girl can make cocktails. (laughs) Uh We've got somebody. I love my cocktails. So I shot a cocktail demo video with Joe Gitter. Uh Uh-huh. And it was really fun. But yeah, the book is beautiful. And it's really approachable for making cocktails. It really is. It's not Um, overcomplicated, which I appreciate. I mean, I I think that's kind of, you know, we have to still stick to brand. You know, like, that's our premise. Like, don't make it too hard, but make it look damn good. You know? Catherine, I have some exciting news. Remember our season one sponsor, Weinster? Yes, how could I forget? They curate great wines from small producers in the U.S. You browse their collection of unique, hard-to-find wines, and then they ship it straight to your door with fast, cheap delivery. Yep, that's right. But the exciting news is that they're officially opening their doors to their showroom in Seaport this spring. What do you mean a showroom? Can you buy the wine there? Well, you can purchase wine and join the wine club in the showroom, but you can't walk out with wine. They always ship orders direct to your door. Convenient, right? They host small groups interested in learning more about Weinster and the wineries in their portfolio for wine consultations at no cost. An expert wine consultant will lead the group through a curated menu of five wines and educate the group on each pour and the amazing small producers that make them. Guests will also learn about the many ways to purchase these typically hard-to-find wines either by the bottle, through the wine club, or with many gifting options on the Weinster site. Um, that sounds amazing. When are we going? I think we're overdue for a wine date now that I'm not pregnant. Totally agree. I can't wait to check it out with you. The complimentary 90-minute wine consultations are by appointment only at the showroom, so let's get on it. If you're interested in learning more, head to www.weinster.com. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.com. Well, as a yes girl, you seem to always be pushing yourself Mm -hmm. and learning new things and kind of embracing that feeling of feeling uncomfortable because when you're in your comfort zone, you're not really learning a lot, right? But how do you handle all of the nerves that go into doing something new, especially when it's on camera or, you know, on a microphone? How, what are some of the ways in which you deal with that? Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. (laughs) Well, fortunately, I've been a little awkward my whole life, you know. Um, I'm, I def- I'm definitely the OG awkward black girl. And, you know, I think 
I humor my way through things, you know. Um, I have often have very funny thoughts, and they often, like, slip out of my mouth, you know, when I'm thinking them. Because I'm also a Sagittarius, and as you all may know, I, we don't hold our tongue very well, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, I try to handle those moments that make me most nervous um, with humor. Um I'm also like a very affectionate person. I may perhaps this is not HR appropriate. I don't know, but no one ever fought me on it. But like when I'm feeling nervous, when I come in to shoot, I greet all the camera people with high fives and hugs. And, it you know, it sets the tone because I feel like if they feel that I have a measure of like camaraderie and compassion for them and with them they extend the same to me when I have to do the same line like 17 times <laughs> you know um maybe just I don't know it might be giving a little bit of myself you know leveling the playing field to remind myself that we're all here for the same mission um and just just try to stay as connected with the people because I've worked with a lot of culinary celebs and a lot of them are very untouchable. You know, they make themselves untouchable, unreachable. And you can only really, you know, like work with them on a certain level. They want to keep you wherever they keep you in their mind. And they, you know, they want you to stay there. And although I never imagined myself ever being any type of food celebrity, I am the kind of person who always said that if I ever had a position of power, I would not let that position change who I am and how I am to people. That's so important to me, you know. Um, I will treat uh, President Barack Obama the same way that I'm treating you ladies, you know. Um, I might flirt, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> same level of respect. Maybe a little, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little different, but. But, yeah, you know, I think it's... um. How I how I make myself feel ease in a situation is to just be human about it, you know, at all times. And, and that's just the way to go. Speaking of being human and not untouchable and um, empowerment and all that, we want to talk about She Chef because it's very cool that you're on TV, but also you have this incredible program that you started. So let's talk about it. Thank you. Um, well, She Chef was uh, founded in 2013 basically off of probably off of my need to still be a social worker to some degree I really did love that work um and to help women in the industry but originally it was because after I left culinary school when I got into the workforce I didn't see women who looked like me although I went to school with all black and brown women you know and um and others you know but I didn't see that in the workplace and it bothered me. I wanted to find out the sociologist in me wanted to know why that was the case. How could we change that? And I just found that most of it was, you know, due to lack of access and resources as per usual, you know, how could I be a resource to women who want to work jobs that have non-traditional hours? Um, how could, you know, how is the lack of, income affecting them being able to stay in this line of work because you know depending on the entry level for you you could be working fast food which might at that time make like $12 an hour you know um and you know how can you still how can you support someone who still wants to do that work even if that is their entry level experience and so I just created She Chef as like a network of us who wanted to support each other um, it has grown in and morphed into many things since 2013. Um, currently, um, 
I, I consider She Chef my teenager. That's away at boarding school. <laughs> and um, she's growing up. They are growing up doing their thing. And um, I am deciding what their college career will look like. So uh, I have kind of stepped away from doing panel conversations and um, things of that nature because I feel like women of color are talked to death about how to build a business. I think what we need uh, is revenue. We need money. We need funding. And I want to be more impactful in this industry, um, especially for marginalized people. And I'm thinking about how I want to do that. Uh, And I think for a moment I felt, guilty for stepping away. Um, I felt confused by it because it's all I've known since 2013. It has actually been my mainstay. You know, other than freelancing, She Chef was the thing that was my whole life. Um, So I decided that my perspective is going to be, I'm not going to lament over, you know, needing to redirect, you know, or re-envision. That is actually a blessing, you know. And I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to always do it, even for myself. I'm going to c- continue to re-envision what I, my career should look like, what I want to be doing with, with my life. Um, and I'm going to continue to do the same for She Chef. And so right now we are um, working on becoming an accelerator program. Um, I have a few really great relationships with James Beard Foundation, with Women, Women Chefs Restaurateurs, Babson College. Hopefully that will turn into a collabo and we will be able to create an incubator program, accelerated program for black women in food spaces. So that's that's the goal. All right. Keep us, keep us in there, your in thoughts. That's yeah. awesome. It's funny because you're such you're so clearly such an achiever because the way you were talking about it made it sound like, you know, I sort of just maybe I'm not going to do anything about that anymore. And you're like, so we're actually just whipping <laughs> yeah, up this really sweet. Like, like I was like, oh, shoot, is this like not a thing that you're supposed to talk about? But that's amazing. I mean. Let me be honest, though. And, um, some days I wake up and I'm like, Maybe I'm done with that space, you know, like you helping people is great. But, you know, at some point you have to really focus on yourself. I experienced a really bad burnout in 2019 Mm -hmm. and it helped me to put things in perspective. Number one, my health um, and number two, my dreams. You know, like I am I am, of course, she chef and she chef is me. And I love helping people, especially marginalized people. But also I like being my own brand and I want to. I'm planning on opening up a bed and breakfast in Detroit and within the next two years. You know, things, my dreams, you know, like it's great to help foster other people's dreams, but not if it's at the expense of yours. And sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, that is the case. It's the sacrifice. I'm into fulfilling my own dreams right now and deciding what I want my next five years to look like. And I'm enjoying it. I'm going to have a podcast soon. Ooh. I know. Very exciting. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. It's um, it's going to, the podcast is called The Walk-In. And um, it's going to be under the ATK brand. So it's kind of like uh, an expose, a redemption story, rise and fall from grace of people in the industry. So it sounds a little vague. Very but into it. Yeah. No, I think Exciting. So. I'm excited about it. When does it kick um, off? It's going to uh, launch in May or June of okay. this year. Um, I'm also starting a YouTube series called New Food under the ATK brand, where we'll be exploring all the diverse new food scenes in Boston and hopefully every other city in case Netflix or Hulu are listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so those are the things I'm working on now. I mean, I, I, as everyone knows who follows me on socials, I do a ton of traveling. 
Um, I'm kind of grounding myself in Boston more to really make it my home and build community like I have with you ladies. And, you know, it's it's important to build community. And I'm going to stay grounded and work on these projects that really highlight my more passionate work, you know. So, and the world needs to know who's out here, you know. Yeah. And the yeah. only other thing I do want to say about that, I was like, yes, you've helped a ton of people, but doing these things for yourself is helping people. Like even as just like a female entrepreneur mm-hmm. on the other side of the table, I'm like, I want to know that this is a possibility, that like these are good things to follow and that good things can come of it. Um, so sure, like of course you've earned it even if it didn't do shit for anyone else. Right. But the reality <laughs> is that it does. Like seeing you Absolutely. succeed yeah. is doing something. Thank so. you so much. Yeah. Those, and see, this is why community is important because you sometimes you need people to tell you, it's okay, girl. Yeah. <laughs> do you, you know, you need that. Yeah. I really do need that. And I appreciate that so much. And I really appreciate you sharing this Foodlands platform. I'm a huge fan. So I'm like oh, super delighted. Girls who like to eat. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. It sounds like you have a lot of exciting things going on in 2020. Yeah. But what advice would you give females who want to follow a similar path as you have or go into a sim Mm -hmm. or go into the food media world? Don't. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, guys. It's great. Um, I think the advice that I would give um, anyone. Uh, is to not be afraid to do some things that don't feel great just so that you can be in the room to see the thing that feels fantastic, right? Nodding my head so hard right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, a simple thing is if you're currently a production assistant, like that's some that's some dog ass work <laughs> you know but but it puts you in the room to see all the other 100 jobs that come along with um you know media uh, that was the case for me when i was working on my very first season of food network star i was like um assistant culinary producer or assistant to the culinary producer something like that but a lot of the um cameramen and women were all attending full sail university online and I wanted to get a graduate degree I just didn't know in what and they told me about this program that you can get a laptop and all this I was able to get my master's in entertainment business at home online while I launched my business I launched she chef um, not even five months after graduation you know it taught me how to write a business plan for a ton of things and how to manage myself as an artist if I needed to. I learned a lot. So it put me in the room to to see something or learn something that really took my career to the next level. So like don't just don't be afraid to start at what looks like the bottom cuz baby, the bottom is the top. It is the top. Really it is. I like that. Yeah. I was a PA for a while and yeah, I learned a lot in that role. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not a PA, but we mentioned Food Network Star. I tried out for Food Network Star 10 times, and I was a runner-up like three times in a row. I got so far one time that they were like, there's a 90% chance, like, be ready to come tomorrow. And then they were like, just kidding. We found somebody else in Boston we like better. <laughs> oh, man. What a cruel world. You know? But it worked out because, you know, that wasn't the place for me, That's the reality right. cooking competition thing. And I eventually something else came along and that was a lot of good practice going yeah. to all of those casting calls and callbacks. Yeah. I this makes perfect. <laughs> I agree with you on that. And here's something funny. I did a few casting calls for like um Top Chef. I would actually go in and throw them 
Like I wouldn't, I would only go because people would be like, you should be on TV. And I'm like, okay. But I would go in and, uh, and intentionally tank that shit. <laughs> so they wouldn't pick me. Cause a, a part of me, I never, I was already working in media. I've yeah. been, I've worked co- like reality shows and it just wasn't my vibe. Not No knock on anyone who does it. Cause it does great things for people's career. Even if you don't win, but it just wasn't my vibe. And I always said, if I ever did TV, I would want to do something with integrity and um, and it turned out to be, you know, America's Test Kitchen, which has quite a bit of integrity in terms of cooking food and recipes, you know, like they're the experts, people say. Right. So Definitely. it kind of just it worked out. But like, you know, I, I did those two. It just wasn't yeah. my it wasn't my bag. Yeah, I don't. I don't even see that it fits your personality. No, and in the end, like I'm so grateful. Yeah, I'm so grateful, and it gave. And then by the time I did, you know, get on Milk Street, it's like I was so much more confident because like I've already tried this a hundred times. I've already done like the lowest level jobs and tried out for like the shittiest yes. shows. Like, bring it. <laughs> and, and You're you, just so grateful to be there. You've like, already you, told me no ten times. So yeah. like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> yeah. And that happens over and over again in all careers, I think, media or not. True. You know, you get back to the bottom and then you have to go back to the top. There's a new bottom and a new top. Listen, I've hit rock bottom at least two times in life. Like, I'm pretty sure I've lived in my car one time. The other time I was probably sleeping on my mom's floor. I know all about rock bottom. It it scares me and it doesn't. You know, like, I'm like, I know how to, I know how to pull myself up. I know how to resource. I know how to get what I need. But I also know what it's like to sleep on somebody's floor and sleep in my little Ford Aspire. And I won't be doing that again. No. 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 If that's ever the case, you can um, sleep on my couch. Well, thank right? you. We're not putting you in the car again. At least I'll eat good, you know? <laughs> yes. I know that. Yeah. You know, I have one the one other question, and I feel like Before our... it's sort of similar to what Molly had asked, but a little bit different. I don't know. Is You have managed to make change in an industry that really needs change made. Uh, and it's an exciting time, I think, for us in, in the food world. But for people who are listening that want to make change, want to s- take a step, start their own version of She Chef for whatever mm-hmm. it is they're doing, like what are some concrete steps that they can take to move in that direction? Wow. This is kind of like asking me what advice would I give myself five years ago, right? Or 10 years ago. I think one of the first things is that you should have a very clear vision of what problem you're trying to solve. You know, there are many and it's easy to it's easy to have them like snowball at you and you feel like you have to fix all the problems. And um, I think if you find one that you're very passionate about and uh, focus, you know, heavily on that, I think that's the first step. Um, And then, of course, the second step is to find out if it is actually a problem. You know, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the issues that people have with um, activism right now is that because someone thinks it's a problem doesn't necessarily mean it is actually a problem. And then for whom? You know, because in the industry, we have problems that all women face. And then we have problems that women of color face, you know, and while they, there is definitely some intersectionality in that, um, they are still very different and need to be addressed and handled, you know, in different ways. So, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, sword you take up, you know, just make sure that you're going at it um, fully knowledgeable about who it's helping, 
how how you're really helping and and ask the people you know like always ask the people i have a friend here in boston who's a developer and um you know obviously he's developing um units in very in urban neighborhoods and then you know i'm like whenever we talk about it i'm like are you asking the people what they want? You know, like, I know you want to put this beautiful rec center in this building and name it after a historical figure that the community can relate to, but, like, is that what they need? You know, maybe yeah. that's not what they need. Maybe they need a place that can employ people, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, find out what the people need and then create a movement around that. You know, don't create the movement and then ask the people. I love that because yeah. it's so easy in like the Twitter activism age and like yeah. the politically correct age to just, you know, overlook some of the really important details. And like I love that idea of like you can't solve everything, but pick pick your battles, focus mm-hmm. and start there instead of being completely overwhelmed by all of the battles, Cause which is so I think easy. what happens a lot. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so easy every day. Like I got five problems when I woke up this morning, you know, like I, <laughs> the world has like a million, you know. So, yeah, I think that would be the advice I would give. Okay. Thank you. Oh, we ask everyone um, a rapid-fire round of questions at okay. the end of our show. Oh, I'm nervous. So, okay. here we go. Okay. Will you name your favorite Boston dumpling? Well, let me say this. Any dumpling that I have at Pagu that Tracy Chain makes is a dumpling we're talking about. <laughs> I love her. I'll say that. All right, dive. Oh, my favorite dive. Fool's errand. Even though it's not really, eh, well, Tiffany, a, lo- I think she'd love that you call it a dive. <laughs> I think that's kind of the point. Like you can't sit down. All you could do is get drinks and like have these delicious small bites. But it has like blue lights in it. It's like and a bougie Nicole dive. chandelier. Yeah, yeah it's like a glamorous. Dive. It is a bougie dive. It's a chic, like a it's, chic dive. It's my kind of dive. Like I don't dive lower than that. <laughs> I love that. That's it. <laughs> uh, date spot. Oh, committee. And uh, dessert. Doug Williams at Mita does like a pistachio olive oil cake. And I think it's only seasonal, but it is amazing. Hi guys, Catherine here. I know you're used to hearing me talk about restaurants and my human babies and occasionally my fur babies, but I want to share a little bit about my other baby, Not Just Company. I started Not Just to help you eat better at home using modern pantry staples like our crazy delicious flagship product, Not Just Pasta Sauce. It's made with 10 veggies, has no added sugar, plus it's vegan and gluten-free. But the best part is it helps you get a healthy, tasty dinner done fast. On the nights you aren't hitting the Boston restaurant scene, of course. Imagine coming home from work, popping open a jar, adding a few fresh ingredients, and sitting down to shakshuka or quinoa chicken meatballs or chana masala before you've even finished your first glass of wine. Each pack of sauce comes with recipe cards, and I promise you'll quickly be making meals you love, food that you'll actually enjoy cooking, even if you're brand new to the kitchen. I'm kicking off 2020 by offering TFL podcast fans 20% off their first order with the promo code FOODLENS20 at notjust.co. That's FOODLENS20 at notjust.co. This episode was produced by Isaac Price Slade. A special thanks to the folks at the PRX Podcast Garage. If you enjoyed what you heard, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with friends and family. Your help means so much to us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and check out thefoodlens.com for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston.